everyone and welcome to the Quakes Debating Society podcast. This is Angelina. I'm Jacob and today the motion is this house believes that GCSEs are not fit for purpose. They've been particularly scrutinised as of late since they were cancelled for the first time since their inception. On the proposition, arguing that they're not fit for purpose, we have Kian and Liza. And on the opposition, arguing that they are fit for purpose, we have Angelina and Tanya. Brilliant. Um, and now, just before we get started, we would like to give you a very quick disclaimer. Uh, our speakers today, uh, they have been told what sides they will be debating for, and the things they say are not necessarily representative of their own personal views. With that said, let's get straight into it. So we'll welcome Kian. Hello. Um, as you all know, GCC exams are useless. Why do we need them? They suck. And I'm going to convince you why. So first of all, GCCs are ineffective and a lot of the content is just pure useless. So for example, um, well, a bit of a disclaimer, I like French. I like GCC French. However, the method of teaching of it is quite ineffective. Because I've done my kind of Googlings and I found that the method of like the way for the, the kind of a GCC syllabus doesn't allow for an effective teaching of the French language compared to other methods. So again, a lot of the way the teaching of GCC subjects are quite ineffective and they don't work. And this kind of is quite ironic in some ways because the main kind of the main reason we teach GCC English language is for critical thinking. However, it's not very effective. And I'll get to a bit more about why English language sucks later. But um, the critical thinking skills from English language aren't very effective. Because, for example, if you look at kind of how the grades are distributed and people after we've done English language, in modern day, there's still a bunch of um, fake news going around. So English language is supposed to kind of stop that. It's clearly not very effective. But um, what I kind of want to focus on now is that they should be doing more important skills and more important lessons. For example, first aid. Because of the kind of demanding nature of GCSEs, having to do about 10 or 11 of them, there's not really much time for other things, such as how to pay taxes, how to do first aid, that kind of thing. Things like, like life skills, which you may find them more useful than, say, history. So that's kind of the first point. But a lot of the subjects and the content are quite useless, and they could be replaced with more useful things, for again, like first aid and how to pay taxes, how to get a good job, that kind of thing. Next up is probably the most important bit, stress and pressure. Because GCC exams, they are, um, and A-levels as well, but, but in this case, GCCs, they're very pressuring. Teachers and parents put a lot of pressure on the kids to be able to um, get good grades. And this can be extremely de um, demanding and, and detrimental from the mental health. And this is why mental health, especially in modern days, is on the rise. Because as the job market is more competitive, you need to get higher grades in your exams to be able to get to do a decent job. And this leads to more pressure, more stress, that kind of thing. Which leads to much more, which leads to much worse mental health, and there's not being enough done that can help mental health nowadays. As, um, for example, like Liza's campaign for the, um, like youth parliament was showing, but she, there's not enough mental health help at the minute. So there definitely needs to be more of that. And GCCs aren't helping because again, the pressure and the stress that people are experiencing nowadays due to exams isn't very good for health. And also, many people will simply dislike the subject they have to study, and this leads to more stress and more pressure. For example, I'm not particularly fan of English language, but you still have to do it. And again, you may, you may want to advise things that you actually kind of like. And because if you're advising things you don't like, you're going to get stressed because you feel you can't do this. And that leads to detrimental effects on your other subjects. And the kind of, it's like a vicious cycle. It keeps going on until eventually, like, if you, you should get what I mean. 
But again, if you're doing subjects you don't like, you're gonna get more stressed. And again, yeah, mental health, not liking your subject, this, this all stems from stress and pressure, which is extremely prevalent at GCC level. And finally, disadvantaged pupils. Um, you may not think of it too much, but because we go to a, like a top level school, but there are other schools in Cumbria, for example, Apple Grammar, which has lots of disadvantaged pupils and they suffer quite a lot in the GCC process. Um, for example, and 1% of disadvantaged pupils, this is mainly people from like, say, poor background, um, black and minorities, those kind of areas, only 1% of those get a, a grade nine in GCC, whereas 5% of wealthier students get a grade nine. Also, 33% of disadvantaged students fail English language compared to 22% of wealthier students. And 41% of disadvantaged ones fail French compared to 20% of wealthier ones. So this shows a like a spark, I, no, this shows a big disparity between grades and it's quite evident that going to state poorer schools is going to have a bad effect on the future. This is because these poorer schools, despite even if they have excellent teachers, the amount of resources they have access to isn't, um, isn't good enough to be able to get the top grades. And this is why GCCs are failing, because many people, they, it kind of, GCCs put, they support the wealthier people, because you can't decide where you're born. So even if you're like extremely hardworking, there's still a good chance that you're going to be kind of how to put it slightly screwed over by the system. And this is especially um, prevalent nowadays because of coronavirus, where, for example, if you do go to a, a poor, like a low attaining school in pre like previously, previous years, they were low attaining, you're gonna have a really hard time this year because the GCC like grades this year and A-levels as well are based off last year's and previous year's grades. So even if you are like getting all nines, but you go to like a poor attaining school, then you're not gonna have a very good time. You're gonna get lower grades and not just this year, because GCCs, again, they're not very fair, especially to poorer students and people who come from, again, poorer areas. Because no, no matter how hardworking you are, you're always going to be at a disadvantage because of lack of resources, lack of quality teachers, that kind of thing. And also rough home lives is also a big issue. So I think a good way to kind of get around this is trying to implement a system which isn't as focused on how much resources you can have, but kind of general quality teaching. And maybe not even that. Now, I'm not an expert at kind of alternatives, and I don't really know many alternatives. However, something else needs to be done. Because at the minute, it's, the GCC system isn't very fair, especially to these disadvantaged peoples, but even from people who are better home lives, better kind of quality life, the stress and the pressures is mounting up, especially nowadays when, again, the job market and the future market is so competitive that you have to get top grades to even stand a chance. So this leads to, again, a lot of stress and pressure, which really isn't good for mental health. And it's going to be very bad for the future, like future generations at this rate. So thank you for listening. Next up, we've got the first speaker for the opposition, Angelina. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, what is the purpose of a GCSE exam? One big purpose, perhaps the biggest purpose, is to provide students with a qualification, an actual certificate, an official letter to prove that they have actually learned something after studying a course for a couple of years. And to assign students with a grade, to give people an idea of the level of competency that a student has achieved in that subject. We know that GCSEs certainly fit this purpose and I can prove it because I have my certificates right here. I have shown them to universities. Uh, I have used them in other circumstances where I was looking for a job. Um, I have this official uh, recognition to prove that I am competent in a variety of subjects. So GCSEs, they do serve the purpose that they are intended for, but do they do that well? 
And I think they do. So I want you to take two 16-year-old children, David and John, who are very similar in terms of personality. John lives way down south in London, and uh, he's a very, very skilled mathematician. And David is living all the way up in Newcastle, and he's also good at maths, but not quite as good as John. Now, one day, both John and David will be living in the same area of Manchester and will be applying for the same job, one of which, one that which, which that requires them to be very good at maths. Their employer, for obvious reasons, would prefer to employ the one who is a more competent mathematician. But how does he know? How can he compare the two? He could make them sit a test, but in reality, there'll be dozens of applicants, and that's a lot of work for the employer to sort out. If only there was some form of nationally standardized test, a qualification to assign each of these two boys um, uh, a grade. Oh wait, there is. <laughs> it's called a General Certificate of Secondary Education, a GCSE in fact. The GCSE is great. It's able to provide employers, universities, and whoever may care with a reliable way of comparing their applicants. And why do I think this? Well, let me count the ways. The GCSE is fair in that it is standardised. Every student in the country who is sitting an AQA Maths Foundation paper will be answering the same questions. Every student in the country that's sitting in a, a Pearson's English paper, they will be answering the same questions. It's not the case where maybe uh, David is in a school that gives him a slightly easier paper and John is in a school that gives him a slightly harder paper just because of random chance. Each student is doing the same paper and it is a fair comparison because of that. Secondly, the GCSE is anonymous. Now, Kian was saying that the GCSE puts uh, poorer students at disadvantage and there is evidence to suggest that, but that's not because of a flaw in the GCSEs itself. That's because of a flaw in, um, in, in just in general in society and in terms of uh, moving in different socioeconomic classes. The GCSE is anonymous. Uh, the examiners who are marking the student's paper, they don't know your, um, your, your colour, your creed, uh, your socioeconomic background. They don't know what you're like. Uh, they don't know if you're a boy or a girl. or um, They don't know anything about you. They are simply looking at the paper in front of them and they are marking. Um, and there have been concerns raised this year that uh, BAME students and those from poor backgrounds are more at risk of having their grades under predicted by their teachers. Uh, so using the element of um, using the kind of system where the examiner or in this case a teacher knows the students, that is actually um, more likely to introduce bias into the system. And that is what's uh, and that is not fair. Um, and thirdly, the GCSE is tiered. So many students, uh, many subjects, sorry, have options of foundation or higher papers. So, and this allows students who are not as academic and merely wish to prove that they've got a, a suitable basic understanding of a subject. Uh, this allows them to prove this by sitting a foundation paper and achieving a passing grade. On the other hand, students wishing to achieve the most competitive grades and who are more keen to learn and, um, a more academic level, they can sit the higher papers and that will provide them with a stepping stone for A-levels and beyond. So because of this, the GCSE has somehow managed to make itself suitable for students of a variety of, um, variety of educational levels. Now I'm not saying that the GCSE is perfect, as Kian said, um, it, can, uh, it is stressful and it's true that many students underperform in their exams due to anxiety and the 16-year-olds are already facing many pressures that could adversely affect their mental health. 
oh, sorry, just meeting swing out of temp, sorry, uh, adversely affect their um, mental health. But GCSE, uh, contrary to what Kean seemed to be saying, GCSE exams are not the only thing that's scaring, uh, that's stressing 16 year olds out. Um, you have other problems such as problems in their uh, relationships with their friends, with their parents, uh, concerns about what they're going to do after education in terms of getting a job or whatever that may be, other concerns in general. And what would Kean suggest we do instead? Because coursework is still stressful if you know it will be a deciding factor in your grades. And the same is true for modular style exams, which we used to have. And both of these come with their own disadvantages. So I was reading about how Finnish schools do it because they are very successful and they tend to score highly on international comparisons of education systems. And their answer, they don't care so much about comparing the rankings of schools. They focus on their students. And this is something interesting I noticed Akian said. He said that schools put pressure on the students. And I agree, schools do put pressure on the students. How can we reduce that? I believe we need to take away some of the focus on comparing schools by their GCSEs because that puts a lot of pressure on the head teachers and that pressure trickles down to the teachers and then that pressure trickles down further to the students. GCSEs are ultimately a stepping stone, a way to just check that after several years of studying a subject, um, you understand it better than you did beforehand and you're ready to move on to the next chapter of your life. And that's what they should be about. We shouldn't have to compare them. We shouldn't have to publish rankings in newspapers. Yes, this can be looked at by governing authorities to make sure that schools are at a suitable level, but um, they shouldn't be the be all and end all to the point where schools are pressuring students so much. Now, I would just like to briefly uh, do a bit of retcon here to uh, respond to some of the points that Kian made. Uh, now, Kian said that the content at GCSE is useless. I completely disagree. That is a very subjective point. Uh, so as somebody who did free French GCSE myself, sure, I, I won't necessarily always be talking to random French people about the environment. However, the French GCSE course has taught me with a number of skills, such as um, directions or greetings or asking where something may be or asking for help. So to the point that I think if you dropped me in the middle of a French city, I would be able to work my way around without having to resort to broken English and a French accent. Or similarly, as somebody who's doing now doing A-level science, I learned a number of competencies uh, associated with practical skills at GCSEs, which I believe has made me a, a much safer um, student at A-level when I'm working with perhaps more dangerous chemicals or just uh, things that require a bit more complexity. Uh, and Kian also said that other things are more useful. I agree. Um, well, I say I agree. I, I should clarify. I agree that uh, first aid training is useful. I agree that learning how taxes work is useful. But why do we need to get rid of GCSEs to teach people how uh, the basic life skills? Why can't they be inserted as part of the curriculum without necessarily needing to be tested? Because in reality, the tests for all this will be life. Um, and actually, I'm not sure if Kian's aware, but very early on um, in year 12, we were allowed to take part in a junior first aid course. So there are such things available if people are interested in them, not necessarily in all schools, but um, we should encourage schools to offer a curriculum, a curriculum for life for students. And that doesn't necessarily involve scrapping GCSEs and neither does it make GCSEs unfit for purpose just because they don't cover the essential life skills. There are things, um, 
we learn at GCSE, for instance, in the sciences, which will be very useful for later life. So hopefully I'll one day be a doctor. I would never have the knowledge to do that if I hadn't done GCSE biology and chemistry. Um, so as somebody who's been through GCSEs, found them stressful and came out at the other end feeling happy and healthy and with a vast amount of knowledge that I didn't have beforehand, um, I, I think GCSEs have served their purpose quite well. Thank you very much, Angelina, for that tip top notch, amazing speech. It was thoroughly enjoyable, it was interesting, and you certainly have a way with it. Go on, Angelina, hurry up. <laughs> uh, um, and now, our second speaker for the proposition, Liza. Uh, this house believes that GCSE exams are not fit for purpose. So, firstly, the purpose of GCSE exams. Uh, like Angelina said, it's to get a grade to see if you're good enough. And uh, I wrote in my words beforehand, uh, it's to see if you're good enough to do it at A level, to see if you're good enough to do it at a degree level, when people will then trust you with the qualification to get a job in that field, perhaps. So it's a ranking system to establish how well people do things, right? That's the purpose of these exams. But I don't believe it actually establishes that at all. Borderline, the only thing these exams tell us is how good people are at cramming last minute information. The common methods of cramming information mean that this information is not retained long term and therefore means the student doesn't remember the information and so isn't actually proving whether they're good or bad at the subject or whether they should or shouldn't be given a job linked to the skills that they've allegedly proven they have. How does someone on one day in one exam, on one hour sometimes, period of time, how someone does, like in that small section of time, doesn't accurately establish how good they are at a subject. I had a fully academic timetable, which meant that aside from speaking tests, 100% of my grade was based on how I would have done, obviously coronavirus, but how I would have done, on a handful of pieces of writing on one or two days. This could have been completely unfairly skewed by a multitude of reasons. Maybe I was tired, maybe I felt ill, maybe I hadn't eaten enough or drunk enough water that day. One or two tests to establish a highly regarded number, which shows whether people decide to give you a job or not, on a ranking system is simply not enough to properly figure out how good people are at things. And besides, different people's brains work in totally different ways. I'm lucky enough to be fairly academic, so I can do tests. But sitting still for over an hour and info dumping out of context information isn't going to work for so many people. There is no one size fits all. It's totally unfair on people who just don't learn like that. And talking of unfair, I'm also fairly good at cramming. This means that for smaller exams, I could, and quite frankly, even for my mocks, I will admit, would cram simply a few days, hours, or even minutes for one of my exams before the exam. It wasn't healthy. It wasn't useful, but that's the mindset that we got forced into by the education system that's created by GCSEs. And I can see how totally unfair it is that I strongly passed the test after revising, if you can call it that, for 10 minutes beforehand, compared to some of my friends who've been working for weeks in advance and fully deserve those grades for proving their knowledge. But clearly these exams don't work to allow people to properly prove their knowledge. What knowledge did I have? Or at the very least, what knowledge do I still have from that exam? The answer is not a lot at all. Kean has already mentioned this, but GCSEs push teachers into ineffective learning systems. 
it's not their fault. They're doing their absolute best to prepare us for these exams, but it ends up with people not learning properly or usefully. The purpose of schools is to teach, and GCSE is totally offset what schools should be doing, preparing students for life. And it would be lovely to have a curriculum for life in with our GCSE curriculum, like life lessons, as Angelina suggested, but there is no space in the timetable. There is hardly space to get through all of the content in the short period of time. And we see every year it gets pushed back again and again from when people start the GCSE course because there isn't time. And this system leads to more tests and more stress for teachers, students, parents, siblings alike. Surely there's a more efficient way to do this. Now, Keen didn't mention ways, but I have some suggestions. How about a grade point average style system, like in America, where students work from across the year and work that's been done in class and homework and also tests are all taken into account to establish whether someone is actually good at something. And I am aware that there is an element of bias and coursework can be difficult to mark, but quite frankly, I would have been much happier if I had had literally any coursework, but that all got cut out. And bringing back coursework allows people to show their more tactile and functional skills. So, for example, in something like uh, DT, I know that they do still have coursework and things that are more practical, but if you tried to fully switch that to an exam, you could see how that wouldn't be proving whether someone was fully good at DT or not. It would be proving whether they could retain the information for a short period of time to dump it all down on a piece of paper on one day. The point is, GCSEs as they are are simply not fit for their purpose of efficiently ranking people. That's what they should be doing, and I really don't believe that they're doing it well. Thank you. Finally, we've got the second speaker for the opposition, Tanya. So, I would argue that there is a lot of frustration around GCSEs, and I get it. I've done it, I've done the jump, the hoop jumping and the memorization and the cramming. It's not perfect. GCSEs can never be a perfect system. They're standardized. It's part of the great thing about them is that every student in the UK has the opportunity to be compared with others around the country. But it also means that one size can never fit all. It can never be the perfect fit for any student. Um, you know, I think when it comes to the hoop jumping, it kind of reflects our society in a way of, I think it's something that you have to learn to do. And I think in a way, GCSEs are fit for purpose because they teach you how to learn and they do prepare you to a certain extent of learning how to, sorry, kind of how to deal with that stress and, jumping through those hoops and meeting the criteria you need. I think GCSEs give you a really good base knowledge, which isn't always useful. To be honest, will I ever need to know the area or how to work out the area of a circle? No, I won't. It's just not necessary. But there will be people who need that for their jobs and their career. And that's the point is you have the opportunity to learn so many things and learn what you don't want to know or what you don't want to continue studying. Um, and I think that's actually really useful because you can't have any idea how much you're going to want to pursue something if you've never had the opportunity to try it. Um, and I think as well, having that general understanding of the world, although you don't remember it all, 
just imagine how many more flat earthers there'd be if we didn't teach physics at some point. Um, I think GCSEs give you kind of a base understanding that while I certainly can't remember all the facts, you still have a general concept and a general understanding of how things work, um, even if you don't retain all of that information. And as well with the memorization, which I hated, um, I can tell you now that particularly when it came to sciences, I would make flashcards for eight hours, I would cram for four hours, and I would remember that information for four hours for all of my GCSE exams. But that memorization is important, even if you don't remember what you learned at the time, because it builds neural pathways and links and that helps you retain more information in the future. So I think there is still a value in it, even though it's frustrating. Um, and I think it also gives you an opportunity to learn skills. I know at the time, sometimes GCSEs and the things you learn don't seem like they're important or that you're not really learning very much. You're just taking in information or ticking the box on the assessment objective. But the point is the AOs are there for a reason. Um, and particularly in, I think, longer style questions, you are able to show your ability to write and what you've learned and how to construct an argument and how to show balance in that argument. Um, and I think there is actually quite a lot that GCSEs do well. Um, you know, going back to French, the way it's taught doesn't suit everyone. And I think it's also subjective to who your teacher is and who your students are. But there's no way I'd have learnt French without GCSEs. Um, you know, I did French speaking and the way that it's done now, I would say is far better than the way it was done a few years ago in terms of instead of just reading from a script, you're expected to actually answer questions and interact with the person you're speaking to, which I think shows that there is also change in GCSEs and the beauty of it is it's fit for purpose because it can adapt and change to what's necessary at the time. And currently in our society, where we demand that people have good skills and that they are able to go above and beyond basic numeracy and literacy. And that's what GCSEs do. They push students do better in these areas um, you know it's not it's not always ideal for the students that are more into vocational subjects but despite how broad of a range GCSEs has to cover in terms of the students at the very low end and the students at the very high end of academia it still manages to cover them to a certain extent and teach them a general base knowledge that can either be used as a stepping stone for higher education or a stepping stone to more vocational um, work later on. Um, and I think, you know, they, the question is what would be the alternative to GCSEs if we don't have them? They're fit for purpose in terms of, you know, they give that conclusion and that certificate and they show the work you have done over secondary education. If you scrap them entirely, what's the point of school leavers having done all that education without sort of an ending or without anything to prove for it instead? Um, 
and I think having a different system, you're likely to face the same issues. I think coursework sounds great on paper, but the more coursework you have, the more stressful it is. I don't know if you've talked to an art student who, at GCSE, but I'm pretty sure they'll tell you that coursework is not a walk in the park. Um, I would agree in some ways that coursework does suit some students more. Um, and perhaps it would be nice if there was more flexibility in the system to have it an option. But the reason we don't have that coursework anymore is mainly because it was seen as unfair and too many students weren't kind of complying properly and using just their own work and it was being too much fed by teachers and the internet and that's the reason they had to scrap it sadly it affects a lot of students that would have benefited from coursework but it's also an attempt to make the system as fair as possible um you know i think going back to Angelina's main point, the main issue with GCSEs isn't necessarily the system itself. Um, you know, the ranking and the pressure isn't often necessarily because of the system. I think it's more that the system is almost trying to stretch itself too far. It's got its purpose and it does it so well that it's been asked to do something else, which is that it doesn't just certify kind of an, an individual's achievements. It's also used as a monitoring, monitoring tool for schools and teachers, which I would argue is a step too far. Um, you know, I think sometimes when you look at it and you just think it's a ranking system and that it does seem very cold and that I have three hours, three hours in an exam hall to prove my worth in this subject. And that doesn't always feel fair. It really doesn't, particularly if you've had a rough day. You know, as Liza was saying, it's not always fair. But unfortunately, that's kind of life. And I think GCSEs teach you to adapt to that, to that and how to adapt to the stress and how to go, I forgot to revise for this. What am I going to do on the day? Um, and I think. GCSEs are so much more than that last exam. That's what we build up to. But you learn so many skills throughout the process, you know, critical thinking, numeracy, sort of your general knowledge is so much more expanded by GCSEs. And so I think, you know, it, it's not perfect. OK, it's in need of constant improvement as it changes with the times. Um, but I would argue that they're certainly fit for purpose. They serve students of all ability levels, you know, whether they're going on to higher education, whether they're staying, they provide that academic groundwork that is so necessary for later in life. They might not teach all of your life skills, but considering that we now all have a phone in our pocket with Google to tell us how to do banking and taxes in that kind of two minutes, quickly we don't need classes for a lot of that anymore we have a personal assistant at all times um, so i think gcse's fit the purpose because they provide the fairest reflection of a student's efforts and capabilities is it always fit for everyone or fit for people all the time no 
but they do their best. We have extra time when necessary. We have something called mitigating circumstances. So if you have a death in the family or something, you're really ill on the day, that's taken into account. You know, we have readers who can read to students and teachers who will write for students if necessary in the exam. So there is still some flexibility and understanding within the framework. You know, it's, it's a good system and I think it is fit for purpose. It's just not a perfect fit for every individual. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening today. And thank you very much to our four speakers who have all um, uh, done a very good job. Yes, indeed. You can actually engage now with the Debating Society podcast. Uh, last time, the vote on Slido was 67% in favour of the opposition. So that was uh, Fran and Lydia arguing that Shemima Begum should not be allowed to return to the UK to live. So congratulations to them. And if you want to vote this time to say which side you think debated better, then go to www sli.do that's www.sli.do and enter the code 78411 that's 78411 to cast your vote to say which side you think debated better today so with all that said um we hope you enjoy today's debate and um stay safe in the meantime everyone we'll hope to uh, hear from you for the next time bye bye <laughs>